0: Sea games we it was it was a different loss it was like it was like an all or nothing for us because we know we worked hard for it and then we really tried our best to prepare for it but i guess it's just as much as it sucks it's not our time yet
1: welcome to across the line the quarantine episodes continue on this football friday and for this episode we've got a great show for you we've got from the Philippine women's national team, Ina Palacios, who is now the new captain of the team, or is she, the co-captain, she's still trying to get uh, Patrice to, to get into play. Anyhow, it's a wonderful conversation. We touch upon the SEA Games experience, her coaching aspirations, her origins, and um, we really get a chance to dig deep and a lot of the things that she's involved in as of the moment. So if you like this show, if you like this episode, please do subscribe to Across the Line over on YouTube, Spotify, and on Apple Podcasts. Don't forget to rate and review the show and to share it with a friend uh, if you enjoy it. Uh, It really means a lot to us uh, and uh, it gives the encouragement we need to keep doing the show. So without further ado, here's the episode with Nina Palacios. Enjoy. Uh how are you, Ina? How's quarantine life treating you these days? I'm
0: good. Um it's been well, actually I'm just keeping myself busy doing some some work for the academy. Um which is actually good because it's you know, takes your mind off of all the the news and you know, it's just it's hard to be on social media all the time, you know, get some time off. Yeah.
2: Yeah. yeah. So Chris has
1: been working you hard, huh?
0: He <laughs> it's actually fun.
2: She has to say that.
3: <laughs>
0: so,
2: gonna... No, she's yeah, done a great yeah. job. She's done a great job. Um, obviously, Ina's been um, coaching for for a while now, but she's recently come off of her um, AFC C license course. Yeah. So she's someone who takes her coaching very seriously. And um, yeah, it, it's it's been great having her for the past few months that she's been uh, she's she's been working with us. How, how did you find the course anyway? You know, how how did you? Uh, how did you find uh, during during your C license?
0: Well, it did definitely open up my perspective. Not just like you know, I'm so used to just um, a player's perspective, and I didn't realize how much work it is to be a coach, or how how different it is that what they see is something that you know it's different. It's hard for for players to understand that when you're playing, but once you get that education and then it opens up your mind, you. You get to appreciate what they do for your for you and the team. So I did learn a lot, definitely.
1: Yeah. What's the one thing that stood out the most for you?
0: Um, being organized, definitely one thing. If you organize and plan your sessions properly, then I'm pretty sure the kids will learn
3: something something new every day.
2: Yeah, I think one hey, of the Chris. things. Yeah, one of the things that. Um, uh, a lot of our coaches went on that co- coaching course recently and uh one of the things i was interested to find out with Ina was a lot of the course was geared towards uh working with outfield players but you're obviously known as a goalkeeper yeah how did you how did you find that sort of different perspective having a focus oh, more centric off for outfield players
0: that was very tricky for me i was like i felt lost at some point i was like <laughs> what's going on like this is not where I'm used to seeing, um, the players, like I'm so right. used to just seeing them from behind because right. I watch them and I kind of like orchestrate what's going on. But when I was coaching and then I was doing my practical, I was staying on the sidelines and I'm like, wait, I can't see what's going on. It was very, <laughs> ta- it was very challenging, but, um, during my last practical test, um, I was happy that I was able to correct and spot um, mistakes that was assigned for me. And yeah, at least I got through that. But it was definitely a learning experience for me.
2: Is being an outfield coach something that you would like to continue? Like, did you enjoy that? Or do you think your passion for coaching will continue to be working with and developing goalkeepers?
0: I was also thinking about that. As much as I would like to be an outfield player, I really, my passion is just to find the next goalkeeper for the women's national team or at least help find one or develop because it's something that we really lack. And I think there's, we have, um we don't have a lot of coaches or goalkeeper coaches that are actually staying active at this time. It's hard when you're a goalkeeper coach, you have to be, all in when you're training, you're actually like training with them because you kick a lot of um balls for training. Mm-hmm. You kick about like a hundred for training and that's that's not that's no joke. You have to be
3: active and prepared for that.
2: I think that's a really good point, Jing. Like I think a lot of people um when they sort of embark on their coaching career, a lot of the um outfield coaches, I mean you you, you can work until you're 70 80 years old you know if you, if you if you want to because um if if anything you with age you grow and you you um refine your skills and although you don't have to physically be on the pitch demonstrating all of the activities if you're a goalkeeper coach you really have to be the one serving the balls um know, yeah. uh, yeah, demonstrating a lot you know and I, I think that's something that as a as a player I don't want to say transitioning out because you're, you're still very much an active player but still kind of still playing still active as a as a as a player also starting to embark your coaching career that's something that will hold you in good stead because you're still able to perform a lot of those actions and those tasks uh i say relatively easily um you know as you get older you'll find it a bit more difficult take take that advice from who's experiencing that right now Um, but but yeah i think that's i think that's something that's really important with um With the Philippines at at the moment, because I think there is a dearth of, of quality goalkeepers here in the Philippines, both on the men's and the women's side. We haven't really seen too many coming through. Do you see a lot of talent both on, coming, coming through the system, both on the men's and women's side? Is there anyone who's out there you've looked at and been like, they've, they've definitely got potential to break through to the national team?
0: Um, for the girls, um, well, I could only see my, um, my second keeper for the national team, she's with FEU right now. She's the only active okay. one that I could see that has potential to keep going, at least for the national team. What's her but name? Um, Kim Perinia. If she's for one with FEU, she won the best okay. goalkeeper for the PFF Women's League. Um
2: okay.
3: For
0: the younger ones, I can't really tell yet because I haven't been working with a specific goalkeeper for a long time. Mm. same with the men's but I really do want to see a homegrown um, guarding the post
3: like soon yeah are are there many
1: uh, goalkeeper coaches that are women in the Philippines
3: um
0: I only know I only know like at least one one or two just
1: one
3: yeah it's hard it's a hard
0: it's a very specific and hard
3: um, job to do Right.
1: Yeah, yeah cuz I don't I can't recall myself. Yeah, I can um who's who's the goalkeeper coach at the moment for the national team? Kim Bristales?
0: Yes, coach Kim. A very good coach. He helped me um uh he helped me a lot during sea games and I think I improved a lot from the last tournament I, I
3: was in.
1: Interesting. You when you started playing, you were you, you didn't start off as a goalkeeper, did you?
0: No, I didn't. I was a uh, a field player. So I like scoring goals <laughs> before I started defending. Really? Yeah. <laughs> it was fun what, actually. What, what age start? For um playing or goalkeeping?
3: Yeah yeah yeah. Play.
0: Oh playing I started um I think I was ten.
3: years it's a very That's so like what, what grade would you say that is? That's like third grade? Oh, wait,
0: maybe 11. Maybe, like, it was like fifth or sixth grade. Fifth, Yeah, fifth, okay. sixth grade. Yeah.
2: Okay. So were, you, were you, were you active as a kid? Were you doing other sports? Or, um, or was football the first thing that you, uh, gravitated towards in the, in the sporting realm?
0: No, actually it wasn't, um, growing up. I was doing different sports. I was just out on the street doing whatever. And then football was the only sport my dad didn't teach us. He oh, really? To, yeah. And that's where I like, found my passion in.
2: So what did you dabble in beforehand? In. Yeah, what did you, what did you do before?
0: Um, I was in taekwondo and then and then basketball, but mainly taekwondo. Me and my brother were in, into taekwondo. Cool.
3: Really? Yeah.
0: And then I started picking, like I, I stuck with football when I was in like seventh grade and that's when I just started growing
3: as a football player.
2: Okay, so you started off as a as a striker, young, Phil young husband.
3: <laughs> yeah.
2: <laughs> yeah. Okay, and where, and where was this? Where were you playing your football in in your formative years?
0: Um, I was playing for CSA in That's where I grew up. That's uh, my right. high school and my grade school loyalty <laughs> award. Yeah. Hey, okay. Yeah. Hey, good, good,
3: CSA good. forever, huh? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was from there too. Yeah. See? <laughs> Good products, eh? Okay. Yeah,
1: yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I can't say for, say yeah. for myself, so <laughs> I can speak for you. So they did a great job with you. But all right, cool. So you started off in CSA. Well, at least it's the spot where football is kind of encouraged. You know, there's a huge field, field out there. Yeah. There's, yeah, there's a lot of room to be able to to learn the craft. And you started off, as you said, in in, in attack, right? Did you say right? Yeah. Right. And was there varsity teams at that already, or you just playing in PE? How did that work out?
0: So how I started playing football was I was trying to get out of school, like not really do my homework.
1: <laughs> I
0: just wanted, to, and then there was this um, teacher that came in our classroom asking if there were, um, students who are interested to play after after class. And me, I thought it was an escape to get out of school, and I so I volunteered myself. And, um, I didn't know it was for a varsity and also didn't know it was football. So when I got there on the field, they were like, Oh, okay, here, get a ball. And I'm like, what, what do I do with a ball? I don't know how, I don't know how that works. And, um, so they taught us some basic stuff. And then I said, Oh, I think I like this. This is cool. And so I went back, um, the next time. And then I went back again after that. And I just kept going back until until I made it to the varsity team. It was the youngest team then. It was was composed of um, grade five and six um, students or like players.
3: And then, yeah, that's where I grew. Interesting. (laughs) Interesting.
1: And then you just played, um, you were still doing Taekwondo at the time or did you drop that?
0: I was and then I had to drop it. Because I like football better.
1: So, like, when did you get into playing goalkeeper? When did that happen? When did that transpire?
0: It was like um, on my seventh grade. Because when I was young, I was playing also with a higher um,
3: age group. So, they, since I was fifth grade, they were giving me with. Uh, Looks like we lost you there for a second. Still there, you know? Sorry, we, lot, we cut off for Wait. a second.
0: Um, which one? Uh, what did you hear last?
1: Uh, you were explaining that you were young f- for the group, I believe?
2: Yeah, yeah, that's correct.
1: Oh.
0: So um, so when I was young, they would still put me on higher age groups. So like when I was in fifth grade, they would put me with the aspiring team already. And then when I was in uh When I moved up to like seventh grade, I would already play with the candidates team. So that's like the senior.
3: Um, yeah.
0: So then I had experience of what a goalkeeper is or like I could see them because I play with them and they're much older than me. And so, of course, I would look up to them and I would, I would like watch them play because I also want to beat them. And so when I was in my seventh grade, my team, my age group, my, my home team didn't have a goalkeeper. And so my coach was like, "Hey, you have you have experience. You know how it works. Go and go. Just do whatever." And at first, I didn't even know how to use my hands. I was sliding everywhere because I was tackle instead of getting the ball. But um, I learned how to use my hands, and then later on, like I just applied. You know, in Taekwondo, there's a kick called 45 kick. I would apply yeah. it to kick
3: outside field. <laughs>
1: Yeah. <laughs> All right. So then, then it was just goalkeeping for the rest of high school for you. Then,
0: no, I only started goalkeeping full time for La Salle when I entered college.
3: Oh, so you were still playing field yes. from time to time. Most times, yes.
0: Oh. Oh, only there still going against um, strong teams. Like before, it was um, ISM, DSM. I would play. Um, I would play. F- Goalkeeper for, for those games, but the rest I would play field. Wow. And Coach Hans was like, if you're not allowed to play field anymore, stick
3: on, stick on goal. And you so, wanted to, is that something
1: that you really wanted to do? Play for Lasalle?
0: Um, not initially. I was bound to go, I was going to Ateneo and then, uh, last minute I pulled all my papers out and then went to Lasalle for, to play. I figured I can do two courses in five years and, um, play without uh, some stuff happening. I just, I just, I, think I just we thought need it to... was like a better, a better choice than, oh, I know why. I I figured it out. I remembered. It was, because... here we go.
2: Come on. Let's, let's tell us. Tell us. We want the juicy bit.
0: <laughs> I remembered. I was like, wait, why, why did I not go to a No, I remembered it was because they weren't going to allow me to play for the national. And then it didn't make sense to me then because they, the reason why they were recruiting me was because they saw me play in the, the youth teams. And then why are you not going to allow me to play there if
1: that was the reason why you're recruiting me? Make sense? Yeah. yeah your decision makes sense. But why or did they not? Yeah. Why were they saying that you couldn't play for the national team?
0: I just school, school rules, like they, They're not, they don't really support that um, avenue for players where they, they excuse them for weeks, maybe a month of no school, you know, and still pass or like do some extra work. Mm -hmm. You know, some schools are like that. Like I'm not, I'm sure not just Ateneo, but I'm just very fortunate that La Salle are very supportive with their national team athletes. So that's the, the big point that they had on on me that made me go to La Salle instead.
3: Interesting.
1: If you had played in Athenae, would you have played as a goalkeeper or as a field player?
0: I don't know. I think that time I was really shaping up to be a goalkeeper already. But All I do right. miss playing field play. Like being a field player.
2: <laughs> I, I just want to address something real quick just to go back on your story a little bit. So you said that both of those schools had seen you play in underage national teams, is that correct?
3: Yeah, the youth. So,
2: oh, okay. First, so two questions: When you were playing for the youth national team, were you playing as a goalkeeper? Or were you playing as an outfield player?
0: I was playing goalkeeper.
2: But Are you already you already playing goalkeeper? Yeah. At this point, and how yeah. old were you? And how old were you at this point?
0: Um, which so age category I, was this? U16. I went out. um uh, My first national team was in U16. And then I was 14 years old then. And then we moved up to U17, U19, and eventually the senior team.
2: Yeah, so you went through that whole process um, as a a goalkeeper. Yes. So what what sort of competitions were you playing in at the the underage level? And and how did you fare in some of those tournaments?
3: (laughs) Um... We, the
0: the the tournaments we played in were just the usual AFF and um, yep. AFC conference,
3: mm-hmm.
0: but man, like, ah, oh, we were getting smashed, like, right, big time. But to the point where I'm like, what am what am I doing here? Like, it's it's just it does, it didn't feel nice. Yeah, so I got I got tired of that, and but I kept playing in, uh, in college. It
2: it got better.
0: Like I finally we started winning, and then I started feeling better about the the position at least, but I did learn how to take my the losses into like like a motivation to be better at least I get exposed, and then I know how to deal with those kinds of
3: situations in the future
0: but uh, yeah, it was a tough tournament when when you're a young goalkeeper going against bigger and tougher teams then
2: yeah yeah i can I can imagine it being quite demoralizing especially for a goalkeeper when you go to some of these competitions and you're getting beat by considerable margins however do you think in the long run did it hold you in good stead for you now as a senior national team player do you look back on those times and think actually that was the making of me or do you see that as it was just something you had to endure (laughs) and in spite of that you still managed to play for the national team as a senior player
0: no, it um, like you said, it I take it as something that really made me because I, it taught me how to be resilient at some point where it's you know those are hard times for a young goalkeeper, and a lot would quit, but I'm proud that I didn't at this because I learned, and during those times when I would remember that we were getting smashed i wasn't I wasn't even remembering the score, but I was trying to remember the the good saves I made mm-hmm. instead of like the the goals because those are the the stuff I need to put in my my bank to be able to move up yeah. because at at least I have um something that I can say to myself that hey uh, you're more than that it's hard, but you gotta look at the positive side more than the
2: negative side and, and, and just go. Oh, go, saying, ahead. go ahead. No, no, you got it. I'll jump go in ahead.
1: after. No, um, this is actually in line with a question that's also been asked on our Facebook page. Uh, shout out to Emmanuel Noel Francisco. Um, I was wondering, because in high school, I don't recall there ever being a formal goalkeeping coach, right? Mm-hmm. So when did you ever kind of like pick up the skills or learn to become a proper goalkeeper? Because, yeah, when, do you, when does that begin for you?
3: Um,
0: actually, the only training I would get was when we would go to tournaments, like a month before or like two weeks before. I was just lucky enough that I was able to adjust very quick. And like, um, I guess being active or like being athletic really helped me, um, prepare myself or at least adapt quick to, to like very goals, goalkeeper specific, um, uh, movements. But there was no formal training until college. I'm telling you, it's crazy. The only wow. training I would get was like only a week
3: long or two weeks. And
1: yeah. for for the national team, there would be a goalkeeper coach that would come in and yeah. run you through your paces. Yeah, I see. Wow, yeah, that's just it. not for. So school, essentially, it, it's natural talent and it's whatever okay. you're picking up. Yeah. <laughs> oh wow. Okay. No,
0: no, it's crazy thinking about it like that. I didn't even realize it. Yet
3: like
1: how it happened. I see. What were you going to ask, Chris?
2: No, along a similar sort of lines, really, Gene. Um, big shout out to Emmanuel as well. His, uh, his boy is a young goalkeeper in the academy. Um, one of the uh, things that I'm working with this is, um, you know, we, we look at a lot of the young, talented Filipinos when they come in through the, the pipeline. And, um, it is, it is quite discouraging when you see talented players who aren't afforded the luxury of and the benefit of getting really really good training um, as an up and coming and, and promising young player how, how do you think that would have differed with your group Ina, if there was let's say for example a full-time goalkeeper that was designated to work with you on a regular basis how do you think that would have changed you as, a, as an individual and then also, do you think it would have helped with youth national teams also? Do you think if there was a, a more consistent and regular program with the women's team, specifically, because I know it's the same actually on the men's as well, um, do you think that would have helped in terms of the development of the, of the women's program as a whole?
0: Yeah, definitely. I think it would help a lot because it would, if you have a coach all the time with you, they, they get to track your progress. And then as a player also, you feel like you're taken care of. Because you have someone to look up to or, you know, someone is in charge of you to, to get better and improve every, as you train. So if, if you, if you look back to how I was before and then not having any goalkeeper, I think if I did, I probably would be so much different. I think I'd like to say I would be a lot, like so much better than, than how I, I am right now. It's because Mm -hmm. proper training, is something, it's crucial to a player's development. And if, you know, at the young age, I suffered also a lot of injuries, which I think resulted because I didn't have proper goalkeeping training or proper preparation for it. Like my body wasn't ready for that, but I was fed. Like I just felt like I was thrown out there at a young age with no proper anything, and you know I just had to deal. In return, I had to face the consequences of getting injured at the young age up to today but i think um having a um a consistent goalkeeper coach or a coach with your player guiding them throughout their their improvement and their development would really boost them and also help them as a player get ready in like a more at a high level of play
2: yeah i think that's a really interesting um an interesting point, and maybe something we talk about later when it comes to your your sort of current situation, your coaching. Because I know you feel very strongly about that, and it's one of the things that you specifically are looking to rectify. And yeah. in fact, Dean is on a bit of a, a bit, even a bit, a bit of a crusade, I guess you could you could say, um, yeah. based guessing yeah. some of your experiences that you've encountered with um, with yourself as you came up the system. Um, so I just want to go now into the um, into your sort of college um, career. So you, you were saying then you were able to focus yourself primarily as a goalkeeper mm-hmm. and dedicate yourself as a full-time goalkeeper. How, how did you think your game developed in, the, in that college setting with LaSalle? Did, did you think you benefited from just focusing solely on, on that one position?
0: Yeah, um, I had fun every day training goalkeeper with um, Coach Lalong. Lo and then even during my first year, I was playing since the men and women trained together. I would train with, um, like Beto and stuff like that. And mm-hmm. I've always looked up to him because I was trying to copy his style because I was a young goalkeeper and I was, um, quite new at the position. So I was trying to get my style. Um, and then, you know, I, I just gather what I see and try to make sense out of it. And then that's what I, like, I I adapt and like grow into. But I, It really opened how different the sport is for me, or like this, the position goalkeeper, goalkeeping is, because I realized it's like a totally different sport from football. It's crazy how, how we, our hands and like the technique we use are so different from like what field players are using Mm -hmm. or like do. So it did shape me a lot as a goalkeeper and it, it was a very, very, um, times for me to learn at that age because i was all pretty old i guess but still learning but it was very instrument instrumental how coach lalong helped me um grow into the position
2: in and- what areas specific yeah what in what areas specifically do you think that the, the coach helped you to develop it
0: was more of like the positioning um a okay. lot of um, ball handling and uh, decision making that's um very crucial for a goalkeeper decision making you can be good yeah. with your feet with your hands, but if your decision making is um, poor uh it's very hard to to play with
2: Is that something that you see across goalkeepers in the Philippines as a whole like uh, for example, like I look at someone like Dato and I would say he's the exception rather than the rule like i I look at his decision making that he would make. When he first burst onto the scene in the UFL, for example, and his decision-making was, was really, really strong for someone even at quite a young age. Mm-hmm. Whereas I would notice that a lot of other homegrown Filipino goalkeepers tended to be a little more rash and would make um, quite sort of um, rush of blood to the head type decisions uh, often. Um, you seem to be quite a cool customer within the net also is that something that was ingrained from your time in LaSalle or do you think you were just two quite similar goalkeepers with similar skill sets and you know that was something that was already part of your makeup being quite sort of shrewd in your decision making process
0: I think more than the personality I think you just try like you grow into it you learn it because there's in training you make a lot of mistakes and that's where you learn and like, Dato making good decisions. Um, I'm pretty sure he's made bad ones before that he learned and then just was very hard on himself that he won't commit the same mistakes. I'm the same. And I think like even Neil would be the same because we all, mm. we, we all make like bad decisions, um, bad calls in the games, but it all depends on how hard you are or how, how, how much you want to recover from it because you don't want it to happen again, but. Decision making in general is a, it's, um, it's a hard aspect to be, um, very good at because even, even now people still make bad calls and it's just how it is. Once you get pressured or once all of that, um, um, elements affect you, your decision is one of the, the first things that will, that will, that will, um, what do you call this?
3: that will get affected by it, you know, and especially as a goalkeeper, right? Because you make a decision. I think it really is going to happen. <laughs> yeah.
2: Right? So uh, is that something you enjoy? Do you relish that responsibility that is placed upon the shoulders of the goalkeeper? I learned goalkeeper? how to
0: enjoy it. At first, I didn't because really? I didn't okay. like how I felt afterwards. But then it's just about taking responsibilities of the actions you're doing. You know, it's um, you made that call. You made a mistake. Own it. The only thing you can do is um, get better and not do it again. Because I think that's what makes you special as a goalkeeper having to be that composed in front of the goal and knowing that no one else can can cover up for you or in your mistakes I think that that what makes the, the position very special
1: is that what you enjoy the most about it the, the, that position and because when I was younger goalkeeper wasn't exactly a position that a lot of people wanted to play you know it's like oh you got right. picked last take <laughs> pick him in goal uh, you get or if you get picked, you know, if you're late for the game, you get stuck in goal and it's like, man, people are punting balls at me. This isn't a really fun experience, you know, but you were able to have an opportunity to compare, you know, you played field extensively and you've, 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 had an opportunity to put yourself in that position, this high stress position that is being a goalkeeper. So what is it, do you think about that position that you, that, that, you know, um, um, aligns with you and your personality?
0: I think I grew into
3: it. into Loving the thing I enjoy the most is organizing my
0: defense because it makes my, my my work easy. People think I work really hard behind the like behind the, um, everyone, but it's just me really telling them what to do. That's pretty much it. Um, so basically,
2: you're just bossing, just like being, <laughs> you're like bossing people around.
0: Oh, it's more of like organizing, Chris.
2: Yeah, okay, sure, sure.
0: <laughs> no, yeah, and besides that, I like, um, the challenge of being composed also, like the challenge of having a one, like only one chance to save, save the day, or something like that. You can call it like, you can call it whatever you want, but like, just, I like the challenge I give myself that if you make a good decision, it's kind of like a low key, Position, you know, no one's going to tell you, oh, it was, we won a game because of a goalkeeper, because she made that pass or because she did the call of doing a long pass or like rolling the ball or like the build up. No one's going to say that. But you know that yourself, that if you did this simple decision, like just rolling the ball out for a buildup, it could have, it could have been it. It could have saved the game. It could have ended the game. You know what I mean? So it's just the little things and being low-key and, like, you don't have to be, you don't get the star. You're not the star of the team. Not like strikers, midfields, you know, you get to score goals, you do all those tricks. Um, and goalkeeping, it's different. It's just, um,
3: if you do a good
0: save, that's fantastic. But if you do a right decision and, like, stay composed under extreme pressure, then that's better.
3: That's good goalkeeping for me. Yeah.
1: Chris, you ever think about being a
2: goalkeeper? Absolutely not. Worst position <laughs> out there. He go on, <laughs> right? Uh, I, keep, I keep trying to get him not to play in goal. Uh, it's, it's so frustrating. But yeah, it is what it is. I mean, he went, uh, he's very, uh, he's flavor of the month. So like he discovered um, a YouTube uh, reel really of uh, of Neil Etheridge. Uh-huh. So he made us play that on YouTube for a while. Then all of a sudden he thinks he's a goalkeeper. And then people start sending him goal. And then it just it just had a ball effect, and then he wants to play in goal. But ironically, he, he he decided he didn't want to be a goalkeeper after he um he put the ball down for a goal kick when he shouldn't have put the ball down, and then the striker <laughs> nipped nip, yeah the striker nipped in and uh, nearly scored. So um, no, I, I think I think one of the problems that I've sort of experienced when working with um, with young players who want to be goalkeepers is is exactly what Jing said is a lot of people are thrust into that position simply through the process of elimination, i.e., you're the last shot at the practice, uh, you're the fat kid, um, you're the least athletic kid, so you end up playing in goal. But actually what's really interesting about your story and also of Neil's is both of you started off as outfield players and then through fortuitous set of circumstances ended up playing in goal. So like uh, Neil, for example, when, when we had his interview with him was uh, the other goalkeeper didn't show up for a tournament. And Neil yeah. ended up saying, I'll go, I'll go ahead, I'll, I'll go play and goal. And then he ended up being player or something and ended up staying there. Similar with you, you wanted to kind of skip class. Um, <laughs> just just on, 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 the, on, the, on that goalkeeper front, uh, we're sort of segwaying a little bit into the coaching side because I'm really interested to hear your thoughts on, on, on this, is how how can you as a as a coach now how can you try to sell that position to an up and coming prospect you know they might want to play outfield they might Enjoy doing that uh, being a striker or being a defender or whatever but you might see something in them and you might be like right you know you've got the attributes to be a really good goalkeeper how, how would you as a goalkeeper coach A identify someone who might be good in goal and then B what's your sort of process in terms of trying to get them to perhaps buy into being a goalkeeper and not have them see it as a position where you're just an afterthought and we're just going to chuck you in goal to simply make up the numbers yeah Okay.
0: Um, so at first, I think um, for someone to be a good goalkeeper, they all they need to be a good football player first. I think that's what I was getting in common. I was also studying people um, or like goalkeepers. Even Dato didn't even start as a goalkeeper. He also started as a field player. Yeah.
2: Um, He's got great feet, hasn't he? As well. Really, yeah. Really good feet.
0: Yeah. So I think before you even become a goalkeeper you have to be coordinated, like your hand, your feet and your eyes. And um that's that's one thing that a lot of young goalkeepers lack, which also I don't get because um how do they wanna play goalkeeper when they can't really when their eye and hand coordination are 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 not on the same level yet? So I think it's the key is that if they're young, you have to make them enjoy playing the sport itself. Because then they'll have, they'll, they'll, they'll appreciate what goalkeepers are doing or like what the, the position is. And if, and, and if you're a coach, you can spot like who can be a good goalkeeping or goalkeeper based on their, their, their reaction or like their physique, their aura and their decision making. If you think they're good, there's no harm if you put anyone on goal, anyone you think that can work as long as they're willing and then you make the position enjoyable and fun for them so mm-hmm. they it's it's kind of like catching their attention you know they i think number 1 would be those who already played um like handling sports or like already have good high eye and um hand coordination but in general i was actually talking to pat um deman about it that i think goalkeepers should be or like um, young players should all learn how to play field first before they start being goalkeeper because then they, they'll appreciate what it is and then she was like oh no no you're right because i had no clue what how it's how hard it is until i had to do it and i didn't like it so you just have to make it enjoyable for them that's how you sell it for sure and um once they're doing their first few sessions, you, you shouldn't be too hard on them. You you get to know or like get to feel where they're at. And then if you see that they're enjoying, then you start progressing with that person. kind so of it's kind of like, like a trial and error. I didn't like goalkeeper at first, but then I there was this one time I just did one good and it stuck and I'm like, "Oh, maybe I can do this again." And that that for me was like the turning point where I didn't hate the position. I actually started appreciating it.
2: Hmm. Yeah, yeah, that's really interesting.
1: So do you think like, at an early age, it would be advisable to have like a rotation system that everybody has to play a little bit of goalkeeper? Yeah, definitely. Um, so the, the way we used to do it when we were kids was when you score a goal, you jump in goal. Right? Yeah. So you either have a really
3: good keen sense of assisting <laughs> or
1: you score and you sit with extreme pace in my direction, you know, that that was not fun. And plus I have bad eyesight. It makes uh-huh. it really like a pretty really bad combination, you know, so. Is that, yeah,
2: was yeah, that, I, I, that sounds like a backhanded way of saying you scored a lot of goals, Jing, which I don't think is true.
1: Well, you know, um, I thought it was, I thought I was going to sneak that in there and let yeah, the more no, perceptive individuals, it. you know what I mean? But, uh, if you put it that way, I mean, these You're were my glory. The yeah, my glory yeah. days back in, uh, you know, like 10 years ago <laughs> uh, on the futsal courts. Um, but yeah, I mean, it, it, it. I always felt that, you know, you needed a, a special kind of personality to, to play goal. Because as you said, you know, there's a lot of responsibility that you have to take and you have to be able to pick yourself up. And um, I think that's what separates a lot of good goalkeepers um, is um, sometimes you see people in goal that kind of crumble when it's a, it's a very big game and they make one bad decision and then you see it's gone. Like they don't have any more confidence and the whole back line suffers as a result of that, right? The whole back line becomes antsy. They know their goalkeeper's feeling um, uh, not as decisive as you would like and then it becomes um, a real problem for the whole team, right? So if your goalkeeper doesn't have like a strong personality, I don't think it's even possible to perform at a higher level. Is that fair to say?
0: Um, yeah, I think that's fair to say. Also, um, like I said, you can't really avoid making mistakes because that's when you learn. But this is very crucial for the coaches or like the aspiring coaches that you have to give your goalkeepers another chance to reveal themselves because one mistake or like recovering from that one mistake will take a whole game. You know, we don't always get the ball. So if you take if you take that away from them then they're they're never gonna reveal themselves again and show them that I can be better. I think if you give that goalkeeper another chance the developing of the the personality will get there maybe they're they're gonna they're gonna be better the next few games maybe they're gonna improve as a goalkeeper or even improve their personality
3: to be a goalkeeper
0: but if you don't have the the resili- the resilience of um, getting back after a fall, then it's going to be hard for you to
3: succeed as a goalkeeper for sure.
1: I'm seeing a lot more goalkeepers starting off as a, at a really young age. You know, there's like goalkeeper academies. That's, I think that's a new trend that for sure yeah. here in the Philippines. Um, is there any worry at all that some of these kids are starting a little too young?
3: Um,
0: I'm not looking at it as a, a big problem. But if you're going to have an academy like that and you have really young goalkeepers, um, it would be nice to have them do more footwork than catching. You know, They still do catching, but they do more uh, like footwork and coordination to get that athleticism out more than anything. Mm. And then you crawl into the more specific goalkeeping um, exercises and training.
1: So how long have you been working for, for Kaya Academy now?
3: Just um, this year.
1: What do you have her doing, Chris? Is it is it mostly um, goalkeeping work, or is she handling age groups?
2: At the moment, she's not doing what? very much, unfortunately. <laughs> yeah, we would like to get her out and about doing a lot more. Um, listen, we, she was um, working with other organisations and, and just through some of the connections that we have with the club. Obviously, then she, she'd been playing with the women's team, which I'm sure we'll touch upon later on in the conversation, but. Um, you know, one of the things that I noticed with, um, with, with Ina was she was talking specifically about trying to develop the next generation of goalkeepers here in the Philippines. And it was something there's a, um, uh, like I said earlier, a bit of a crusade, uh, an ambition or something that she felt very passionate about. And we were just really hoping to give her the platform, um, to do that. Um, Obviously, there is a dearth of homegrown Philippine goalkeepers here um, playing at the level that she's at. Um, like you said, Dato on the men's side. We've had, uh, you know, Ref Guaresma, We've had Edsar Ed- Capano. But that position on the men's side has been dominated largely by, you know, the the, the foreign based goalkeepers. Neil Etheridge, uh, Michael Falkersgaard, Roland Muller primarily in the last sort of... 10 years yeah. Um, and, and again we've had this, co- this conversation before um, what we don't want is for that especially in that position where physicality is such an important aspect we don't want that position to be monopolised by foreign based Filipinos we would like to give homegrown Filipinos the opportunity to excel in, in that position and I know that this is something that Ina and I have, have discussed at length and um maybe that's something that you can expand upon Ina, because i know it's something that you find you have very close to your heart and it's something that you really want to try to develop here in the philippines
0: yeah um i was talking to chris about that i was telling him that um like physically i'm not the ideal of what a goalkeeper should be like i'm relatively small than the rest but all i could do is to work around my my weaknesses and turn it into strength and now what the the spire keepers or like the young ones um i want to be able to give back what i didn't have so that they'll be so, so that they'll reach farther than what I, i'll be able to do because it's i think there's a lot of talent in them but you know only talent comes out when they're they're used properly yeah you light it the right way. So I think um, with the right training also, they should start doing a lot of strength and conditioning at a young age. You know, that stigma of, like, starting early is not good. It it all should be gone because it's actually the key to make you um, better, like, physically. I mean, if you have both, you got the height and, like, the right thickness, then there's no reason for you to hold back from from doing the best that you can, especially in goalkeeping. It should even boost you even more. But for the, young, for the other keepers that are, uh relatively small like me, um, if they think they have the talent for it, then they should just keep going because, you know, they, you, you'll never really know what you can do unless you try it. So that's pretty much what
3: I did. And, um, I'm, I'm glad I did. <laughs> so yeah.
2: So there we go, Jean. That's, that's really what we've got her, her doing now is, is trying to cultivate and develop that next generation of, uh, yeah. of homegrown Philippine goalkeepers, which I think is, is important. As, as you illustrated, there's a few people out there who are doing it. Um, yeah. but obviously we, we just want to give you the platform really to try to, um, develop her skills as a coach, but also develop the, the next generation of homegrown talent that we've got a plenty of here in the Philippines.
1: So, so it's a really exciting time for you, I, I'm, I'm imagining. You know, you've come out of the, this the C course, uh, you picked up lessons. uh you're starting your coaching career now with Kaya Academy and hopefully developing a new top of talent. Um, unfortunately, the virus has disrupted uh, a bit of the preparation and sort of the highlight of what should be an um, AFF um, tournament that was supposed to be held here. In our country, um, so we, we've talked a little bit about the the, the coaching. I, I want to sort of steer ourselves up to the playing career, right? I mean, um, very recently we had uh, the Southeast Asian Games, which just wrapped up uh, in our country. Uh, both teams, both the men's and women's, slightly fell short of where they wanted to be. Uh, obviously, the the men's wanted to be in the medal rounds. You guys had an opportunity yourselves. That must have been a very difficult experience, you know, being so close to a medal and being able to create that history and doing it in front of the home crowd. Um, what, was, what was that like for you? You know, like um, knowing that you guys were so close, it was there, you could have touched it, but it didn't happen. Uh, what, what, what was that feeling like, um, the whole experience for you?
0: Man, like, to be honest, I'm like still thinking about it up to this day. Like, I just felt raw because it was so close game I guess like game management wise that's what we lacked I think that's what killed our we Really upset that we didn't win or because we knew that we weren't there yet but for sea games we it was it was a different loss it was like it was like an all or nothing for us because we know we worked hard for it and then we really tried our best to prepare for it but I guess it's just as much as it sucks and it's not our time yet but if you start keeping the team like that, or if you keep improving as a team, I think in the next few tournaments, hopefully, well, it could have been this AFF, but now it's all it's all paused because of the virus. But I think there's some good progress that we're gonna do. It just sucks that we all have to stop for a bit and playing. But C Games, it's just it felt great playing in. In the Philippines, it was something that everyone really enjoyed, and it meant a lot for everyone in the team, because it was something that not everyone was able to do in their lifetime, playing something or in the sport that you know they're all passionate about and representing the country. It was such a big um, highlight of the year for all of us. but that loss was just something else. It's hard to recover until now
1: there was obviously a lot more attention. There was already building attention uh, on the women's team. And that kind of culminated with that C Games tournament. And once that you guys kind of fell short and weren't able to pick up a medal, you would see online that there was a lot of finger pointing. There's a lot of um, placing the blame on certain individuals, whether it's in the coaching staff, whether it's particular players. What was it like in the dressing room after that? What was the... The, the feeling and what was the messages that were were said um if you're okay to divulge some of that information
0: um right after the the game i was one of the last ones that went inside the dugout um i was i was quiet i was we were all quiet we were upset because we knew what we lost it was um, Everyone was moving and trying to to you know fix up and get ready for dinner that was supposed to be happy because we were supposed to win, but everyone just started you know packing up with their heads down. And then right when we were all ready, we got into like a huddle and and we started talking as a team and. You know, all the good things that we achieved despite the 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 result that we didn't want. Um I think that was um it was also very emotional at that point because it was when Patrice Impolido um re- um announced that she was going to retire from the national team. And how she did it she just gave me the armband and she you know the captains would would have the, the last say of the, in the huddle and I was beside her and then she had her, her armband and she as she was talking she she just kinda like gave it to me and she's like Ina's gonna take care of you guys and I'm like Wait what? So I just started like bawling and I'm like, no, you can't do this right now. Like there's too
3: much emotion going on
0: and then but despite that we we were all happy with how far we've gone but just that bit of sayang in us, you know, parang, you know, you could have done so much better, or like we at that time, I don't think we could have done any better, but we know we should have. But it it, it happened. I think it was just a mismanaged game. Um, we as soon as we led the game, we didn't know how to deal with that because we're so used to just always trying to catch up to anyone that's that scored before us. And so when we were actually leading, we were like, we couldn't, get, we couldn't get a hold of the game. And so they found that one second that we were so disorganized and they capitalized and they did it again. So I think it was just a, um, a learning experience for us as a team that, you know, it's possible. You could lead the game. And next time, once we lead the game, hopefully we, we can hold it and come out with a win. So that was um yeah the dugout situation was very quiet until the last
1: few minutes before we huddled up. Did you get the chance to watch that game Chris?
2: Uh I think back to the sea games that sea games matches that we watched um I caught snippets of the girls girls games um and I think I remember doing the podcast with you because it the same again. Yeah. We watched some of the some of the men's games as well, and I know you were calling a lot of those games. And I was, I found myself in that situation where there were so many positives to come out of that competition. Like um, some of the football that the both the men's and the women's played was really exhilarating at times. Some of the results were uh, were really really good. I he actually heard that tem-
3: podcast.
2: Yeah, then it was sort of it tempered the- with. Yeah, it was also sort of tempered with, like you said, a kind of uh, feeling of what might have been, or a feeling of disappointment because ultimately they, they, they both teams didn't really achieve their, their ultimate aim. So uh, it, was, it was it was I was very conflicted at, at the culmination of that competition because on the one hand it was such a um, such a well received um, competition. A lot of you, I think you in particular, actually, Ina, um, received quite a lot of notoriety off the back of that from, from some of the performances that, 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 you, that you gave and it was just a shame that it, it, it didn't have it didn't translate to you guys of uh, the game I think obviously similar situation was, was also encountered from the, from the men's team but how did you find that 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 competition from a, an experience standpoint? Like I, I don't know, I, I never I never participated in a Sea Games, so how was it for you as a player to be involved in a in a full scale um, competition of that magnitude on on home soil?
0: Um, it was my second time to join or like be part of Sea Games, and um, I've always looked. I, it was always my dream to play in Sea Games because it was like our Olympics in
2: Yeah. Like, and it's yeah. like
0: it's it's a big event where people it was it's kind of like a a festival every day kind of thing. So like it's all sports. You you know you have different friends from different sports, and you all trying to watch each other, and then mm-hmm. you kind of like get a track of how they're doing, and how we're doing. And it just feels good how people unite just because of sports. And I think that's um that's the happy part about it. Yeah. Despite all the the problems that came up, but. It was um, it was a really really good experience because um, it was very active for everyone and everyone was just like trying to look out uh, for how Philippines will do the whole tournament and um, I really enjoyed it even the first time I, I joined joined um, Sea Games or like I was part of Sea Games I really enjoyed it. Yeah.
1: So with sorry with with the passing of the armband, um, you are now officially the captain.
0: Uh, I guess so. Yeah, I still think Pimp is the captain.
1: Will <laughs> but she's my re- captain. But she's retired now. So on the pitch, um, uh, you're wearing the armband these days.
3: Yeah, I guess I'm gonna
0: have to wear the armband. But we're still trying to convince her to play for like another tournament.
1: I see. So it's a semi-retirement right now for <laughs> Patrice.
0: It's not real until the next tournament. We'll find
1: out. <laughs> <laughs> um, so obviously, there's a there's a lot to look forward to, right? There's a there's this is uh, another uh, AFF Championship. Um, you guys, prior to the Sea Games, had done extremely well, getting close to World Cup qualification. You guys had done great in the Asian Cup as well. So you guys have been making waves for for quite some time, actually. Um, and perhaps that's the reason why there was a little bit more of that disappointment because of the expectations that were already behind you guys. But now you guys have um, the future to look ahead to and obviously uh, a few minutes ahead as well. So is the team intact? What are you guys feeling about um, your chances for the upcoming tournaments that you guys have around uh, the horizon?
0: Um, well, we don't have any news for, from the PFF about um, the plans for the AFF, supposedly this year. But, as a team, and like we have some groups, and we're really um talking together and trying to get everyone still intact and um, to, um as we go to the next few tournaments because we wanna see how far we can go as a team, and if there's gonna be additional people, it's just enhance what the team' strengths what we have as a as team strengths now, so it's more of like um we wanna. Invest in what we can do as a team first before we think of anything else about dismantling team. But, you know, as you all know, in the past few years, it's very common to see the, the women that have like different faces every tournament and only have yeah. a few. Core. But the past two years it hasn't been like that so we have the same core and we're planning to keep it the same way for the next few years until we get another uh, just we need just to talk to them and you know make sure they're still on the same page because sayang if we lose if we sayang the talent of the team if we don't use it properly if we don't stick
3: together you know That's but actually- I must say
0: I must say the podcast that you guys did for SEA Games was actually really good. I was actually listening to it um, from game against Vietnam, I think. Um, Because you guys were able to tap on the Malaysia Malaysia, um, scoreline and I was able to listen to it after our Vietnam game, which was our semi-finals. I was listening to it on the way back from the game and I was like, oh wow, this is really pumping me up. I'm ready. (laughs)
1: <laughs> well, at least it had the desired effect, not the desired result. I mean, it, it got you pumped up the game. So at least we, we were able to help <laughs> in some shape or form.
0: Yeah. Well, that's life.
1: I mean, Chris and I were talking about this as, as one of the things that, one of the ramifications of the result is that there's going to be a lot of individuals who are going to be looking to capitalize on potentially what was a disappointment. And it's it's kind of refreshing to see that this approach is being taken, especially by you as being an influential figure in the squad, that um you guys are sticking with your guns. You know, what got you guys to the dance is not necessarily something that you guys feel needs to be hauled as of the moment. And um, you know, there are individuals who would be interested in stepping in and and um reshuffling things and it right. might seem like a, a good solution. Um you know, from an outside perspective, but for the people inside, it seems to be that you guys still feel there's something special going on. And um, I personally, um, I, I'm, I'm more geared towards, you know, seeing what would transpire if you guys stick together. And, yeah. and, and because as you said, you know, kind of like a goalkeeper, it's like you need to be given an extra chance to prove yourself, to kind of redeem yourselves. And If you don't get that opportunity, then we don't know what you guys really learn from that disappointment.
3: Exactly.
0: Um I'm with you. I think with the the past tournaments we keep them as experiences so that we learn from it. Now if you keep the team together, you know, this team is not a bad team. It's a it's a really good team. And the only way for a team to improve is to keep it together. If you're gonna add like reinforcement it would just be a few players. Because but then if you look at it when we lose games or like when the when when we lost our games, it wasn't because we were a bad team. It was because of just lapses that you can improve on. It's not like um, it's not something like, oh, this player is so bad. Why is this player even playing? You know what I mean? Well, it was just lapses that you can improve. It's not a big, it's not a big uh, mistake, but it's um a team mistake. That's why you have to improve as a team together.
3: You you move from
0: one tournament to another, see how much you can improve from then, and then you keep going. From you keep going up because like I would only relate it to Lasalle. When we first won the championship, we stopped together. We we were good, but we weren't good together as a team. And then we took years and years to to build that chemistry until we were good as a team. And then we capitalized that, which resulted to winning the championship. So I kind of see it like in the same um, road with the national team. You know, you, you stick together, you improve, you you um, work on your chemistry, and then you you go from there. You see how much you can achieve with that um, um, small group with the same heart. As long as you all have the same heart, the same passion, and the same goal, I think you can you can you can go and get anything you want and achieve anything as a team. So that's what we're trying to do.
1: Spoken like a true captain.
3: <laughs> <laughs> Just trying to get used to it. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> Tim,
0: please come back. <laughs>
1: <laughs> there's, a, there's a tremendous photo that was taken of you, the two of you actually hugging, as the rest of the team was um, bowing to the crowd at the Rizal Memorial Stadium, and it's the two of you, um, the, the, the captains. It seemed like, to me, when I first saw it, it was like, oh, it's like the passing of the torch, you know? Um, I'll share that photo with you guys after the show. But um, it was was an image from a friend of mine, shout out to Jan B, who was there not shooting for any publication, actually. He was doing it for the fun of it. And he shared with me this image of the two of you guys embracing and It got me emotional because I watched that game in Malaysia. It was the AFC Cup draw, and I, I needed to rush back and actually watch that game. By uh, a YouTube stream, so uh, heartbreaking for everyone to, yeah. to, to, to watch that one.
0: Yeah, I went. Yeah. I went straight up to her, and then after the game, I said, "I'm sorry," <laughs> because it was her last. He told me it was gonna be her last before the game, and I'm like, "Oh no!" It was heartbreaking for me to let her go like that.
3: Yeah, if it was gonna be her, her last game, still hoping. <laughs>
1: Chris, you good? We had some um, some some camera issues there for a moment. You went upside down and sideways, and everything
2: all right? A nightmare. You know I'm like Te- technology, Jing. Sometimes I we'll get <laughs> a little bit. Uh... Yeah, no, I'm all good. I'm all good now. Um, okay. No, I, I I really wanted to touch upon the on that Sea Games thing. So I'm really glad you brought it up, Jing. Um, any other sort of moments that stand out for you with the national team, like like Jing, Jing alluded to? There's been a number of sort of significant milestones that the women's national team have managed to um, to surpass, to um, rise up the rankings in the last two, four, six years. Are there any that stand out particularly for you or any of those milestones that you are particularly proud of?
0: Now, um, one – tournament that I'm really, really proud of and I think was the turning point of the women's um, national team was when we qualified for the AFC Cup Finals. It was in Tajikistan exactly like three years ago, during mm-hmm. this time also. Um, I think for me that was the turning point because that's where it all started. From there we started escalating, going up and achieving great things as a team. Though there were like a lot of challenge, you know, um, being falling short for the world cup qualifiers you know we were one team away from actually making it to the world cup but the
3: one we did in Tajikistan the AFC
0: fires that that was for me my favorite so
3: far because it Or even have enough gear to go to a
0: very cold place. We had nothing. I was freezing. I couldn't even feel my hands playing in that game. But we were able to be successful in that tournament. That, for me, that's my, my ultimate favorite.
2: Yeah, I remember, I remember that competition, that one. And obviously, I remember the, there was a real fervor of excitement around your, um, um the World Cup qualification campaign that you had, you know, every, everyone was, was tuned into that one. And it was, yeah, it, it, it seemed almost like it was, it was des- destined for you guys to, to somehow manage to, to get to a World Cup, which would have been just an incredible achieve. Is, is that something, is that something we've talked about a lot on the, on the podcast? The fact that we feel as though the women's program is something that, in, has the potential to really, like you said, escalate and, and escalate very, very quickly. Um, is that something that you think can happen in, in your playing career, in your lifetime, to have a women's, uh Philippine women's national team participate in a, in a women's World Cup?
0: No, that's the dream. I mean, that would be really, really good and amazing to experience that you're in the World Cup. But... I think it's possible. I think if we continue to develop how we've been developing the past few years, I think there's a really good chance that, um, Philippines will make it through the next World Cup for women's. Especially this, um, news that I was hearing that they're going to allot at least eight teams now for, for Asia, at least to yeah. go to the World Cup. And also for the men's, more, more teams are now going to be included for the World mm-hmm. Cup. And that's higher chances of getting there. So that's very exciting. I really hope that happens in my time of playing. Um, I would be very, very stoked.
2: Because the next Women's World Cup is when?
0: Uh, last was two thousand nineteen, right? So was it last year? Nineteen, eighteen.
2: I'm trying to think I now. Think
1: last year, I think last
2: year was it last Men's, year?
1: Men's was eighteen. Yeah, yeah. I think nineteen. So okay, twenty so, yeah, twenty-three.
0: Yeah, twenty-three. If it if it doesn't get moved, also, well, Olympics got mm. moved a year
3: back.
1: Right, right. But, yeah, I want, the, yeah. I mean, what I'd like to
3: sorry to
2: be taken in order for the women's national team to bridge that gap, because by the sounds of it, a lot of what you're saying is that we're, we're not that far away, Um and seemingly with with a couple of. um Minor adjustments, tweaks to the to the current program. We 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 could be we could be finding ourselves in the the situation where we could feasibly make a World Cup. So, what are the sort of the steps and the measures that you think need to be taken in order for us to to get that point?
0: Um, For me, like any other academy or any other professional team, planning is number one. You you have to know when to use your team or like when to start the work. If you if you plan properly, then you get your progress. You're on, on track. So now, if you follow that, I don't think there, there should be any problem because, it, um, you'll be able to work on the things that, um, you fell short with the past tournaments. And so it gives you time to improve as a team. And if you think it's not enough, then you, you, you um, revise that plan and make it better for you to address the, 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 of your team and I think um, also consistency from um, training sessions and intensive training Not, I'm not asking for an everyday training you know especially if you're off season but at least have maintenance training for for like twice a week you know even once a week if it's really hard to do because most players are based here anyway so mm-hmm. it's a good chance to keep them together and keep the chemistry going while we're still waiting to to play in the next tournament yeah and then you you go into a more intensive um session towards um nearing the tournament you know mm-hmm. but i think really the key is planning and consistency from the the coaches whoever the federation assigns us um whoever the federation assigns the team to and um support also number one for for not just for football but for every team
3: yeah
1: that is quite interesting. I mean, you mentioned that the entire team for the most part is here in mm-hmm. the Philippines, but you guys don't have regular training nope
0: so that's I think that one they should cap at the light because that's that's a gift i mean that's a, a plus point. For a national team to have all players be in one, specifically in Metro Manila, to just mm. all be here. So, why not use that? Use the team and improve, yeah. you know? So, again, SIAM.
1: For example, the women's league as of the moment is not ongoing. I mean, the, the season ended quite recently, right? Um, so, then there are no commitments to clubs either. Mm-hmm. So, there's really why you guys can't get together, as you mentioned, even just once a week to even um, to, to even play, right? Uh, to at least make sure that you guys still got the chemistry going, right? Exactly. I guess that's kind of a plus that you guys, uh, a lot of the team plays for Kaya. Uh, and you guys are... <laughs> <laughs> and you guys either are in Kaya of,
0: or LaSalle.
1: Yeah, and you guys are getting a bit of training time, at least. Um, from my understanding, at least once or twice a week, um, there's, a, there's an attempt to get you guys on the pitch together.
0: Yeah. Am, I'm happy that Kaya formed a um, women's team. And hopefully we'll join the next PSF
3: Women's League.
1: It's going to be interesting. Uh, I, I, I assume a lot of the teams aren't going to be too pleased. We're going to beat the off. Kidding. <laughs>
3: <laughs> I'm not kidding. She,
1: she said it. She said it. I didn't. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, man. So quarantine life, huh? How, how long do do you guys think this is gonna last for? And how, we, aside from the programs that are being sent over by uh the Kaya PTS, <laughs> is there anything else that you guys have been um doing to make sure that you guys are sharp after this? We don't know how long it's gonna be.
0: Um. Well, just some home workouts. Really. Um. I was jogging around the village until they they told us not that we're not allowed to go out anymore. So that's mm-hmm. a bummer. Um, just, there's really not much you can do, but make the most out of all the equipment you have in the house. You know, some people, you see some people carrying those big bottles of water as their weights and, you know, stuff like that. You you become really creative just to stay fit or like keep you sane, at least. Because working out really helps you, um, get the endorphins in, you know, happy hormones kind of thing. That's very important. Like just, you know, try to get some sun every once in a bit and you know, play with my dogs but yeah basically just home workouts and some work
3: all
1: right chris anything else
2: no i, I want to be a little bit respectful of um of ina's time plus she's got homework of her own to be um <laughs> to. so no, uh, good. Um, yeah yeah i I don't want to keep her too long cause she needs to get back to um devising the master plan that she's uh she's telling me that she's concocting at the moment. Um but yeah yeah, I mean really any, any final thoughts? Any any things that we didn't ask that you wish we'd asked? Anything that you would like to touch upon? Anything that you feel needs to be said from your perspective as a goalkeeper, women's footballer, any inspiring words for the listeners that, that are out there? Um I think
0: me pretty much everything unless you still have more I'm not sure but I do have a message for the young aspiring goalkeepers right
2: yeah we'd love to hear it
0: yeah so, so sorry doctor <laughs> um no i just want to tell them that you know if you find the, the even if it's not goalkeeping if you find the right sport for you or the right position that you think you're really good at you stick to that and then you keep going into it until you discover that you can you can be so much more than you think that you could ever be and you'll never know how far you're gonna go until until you're already there so just keep going and then um, keep pushing yourself to be better so that's pretty much it and for everyone at home um stay safe and be safe Um i hope it's all sane throughout this quarantine uh, times and um Thank you for all the front lines out there. You guys are
3: awesome. What are you gonna talk right, thank you so much. Think?
1: I know, man. Incredible. We're in trouble.
3: We're in trouble. <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> um, this conversation is helping me stay sane. Uh, thanks a lot for, for taking the time uh, to speak with us. It's a tremendous conversation and uh, a great insight to uh, you and your beginnings. And, uh, um, sort of what to look forward to in terms of the women's game as well. You know, um, I'm sure a lot of um, aspiring goalkeepers are are quite pleased and excited about the prospects of um, having you and other like-minded individuals being there to guide them on the path. And um, you know, there's a lot of excitement around the women's game as of the moment. I'm personally one of those individuals who is in a close eye and, and hoping for the best. So, um, thanks again for the time and. and all the best in you know trying to keep your sanity throughout the quarantine and hopefully we all come out a, a little bit stronger
0: no thank you for having me i really enjoyed it
1: was nice all right thanks you know uh if you guys enjoyed the chat and enjoyed the content that we provide here on across the line please do subscribe to the show on youtube uh apple podcasts and over spotify and don't forget to rate and review Share a friend if you enjoyed this conversation please let somebody else know so that we can keep growing the community and we keep getting the encouragement that we need to keep this going so appreciate it guys and uh, we look forward to seeing you in the next episode